a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. Oh, yes, this is the show we have all been waiting for, yes. the show where we get Pastor Brian Flanley on microphone. Pastor Flanley, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Hi, happy to be here. It's oh. the Flammy, by the way. Oh, sorry. Actually, I'm not that happy to be here. I was coerced into this somehow. <laughs> I'm a hostage. Please help. <laughs> so, yes, <yeah>, send help. <laughs> if you could see him, his fingers are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we have um, a mediocre lineup for today's broadcast, despite our excellent guest. Um, and uh, that's going to be a little uh, name that theologian, a little Ten Commandments in the news, and a little bit of whatever else we think of on the fly. So right, that's uh, right. Now, does does the Flammy know about the buzzword uh, trick that we do? No, he doesn't know about this. He's been on the show more than he's actually listened to the show. <laughs> that's is, okay. Well, you know what we should do? We should give him our buzzwords, and then he has to define them. So um, I like it. We're doing so do the that. way that the buzzword goes, Pastor Flammy, is that at the beginning of the show we give each other buzzword, and then uh, we try to mix those words into the conversation naturally. And if we do so without the other person noticing, you get five hundred points. That's the way it goes. Uh, I like, by the way, how you said that he's uh, been on the show more than he's listened to the show, as if that's different than all of our other guests on the show. <laughs> like this guest is different than all the others. Um. I got a buzzword. Okay. This is something that I am just learning about. Flammy, I wonder if you... It's, the buzzword is subsidiarity. Uh, and this is a Christian... Well, it's not necessarily Christian, but it is a political philo phil philosophy word that's important for us to think about. You know that word, Pastor Flammy? Heck no. Ah, good. So <laughs> I stumped them. Our, subsidiarity is the idea that the, a thing is best handled... At the at the closest level to the thing itself. Oh, the tea party. Well, sort of the tea party. It's like, for example, um, what is best for children to uh, the best place for the best institution for raising children? And the answer is the family. And the farther you get away from the family in raising children, the worse and more difficult things get. So it's a fancy word for sanity. It's a it's a fancy word for po all politics is local. This sort of thing, as local as a thing can be, as close to the institution is the best it should be now this is the this is one of the this is the basis of the christian argument for maybe limited government or small government or the the um 
the argument that we want to protect the and protect and serve the institutions of marriage and the family because the Lord has instituted for those things. And when those things go, you still have to do the function, for example, of raising a child, but it becomes an incredibly more difficult, burdensome, and expensive thing the farther you go from the God's intended institutions. Subsidiarity. All right, Pastor Flammy, your theological buzzword is consubstantiation. What's that? I think that consubstantiation is a metaphysical term that refers to two things being with each other or next to each other. It's it's a little bit vague. Uh, it, it's a term that was used by the Reform against the Lutherans, I think, to describe uh, how what the Lutherans teach about the Lord's Supper. And the idea that they wanted to get across by using the term is that the body of Jesus is in some weird way mixed up with the bread as if, you know, the different parts of a formula or a solution are put together. Uh, and the Lutherans, of course, reject the, 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 this uh, uh, strange Capernetic eating of Christ's body in the sacrament, as, as we confess. Uh, but rather, when we, we truly eat Jesus' body and, and drink his blood, uh, uh, but we do so not in the sense that we're like climbing up to heaven and uh, putting our teeth into a chunk of Jesus and taking it back down to earth with us or anything like that, but rather it's a heavenly eating, as our confessions say. Ah, very good. All right, we'll do it. That sounds pretty good. Oh, yeah. This is that they, they always, whenever you talk to like an evangelical trying to understand what Lutherans say about the Lord's Supper, they say, well, that you, the Catholics have transubstantiation and the Lutherans have consubstantiation. And we say, well, you call it whatever you want. We have the words of Jesus being true when he says, <laughs> this is my body. So whatever name you want to give to that is fine, but that's really the basis of what we say. Yeah, very good. All right, well, let's go to uh, name that theologian. I think Pastor Flammy uh, is constantly reading, so we just you know, yanked him in he, to the studio. He is constantly reading. He's, I don't want to be on the show. I'm busy reading. <laughs> well, anyway. th th that's how we got him on. Well, you can read on the show. You don't, you yeah. don't have to stop reading just to be on the show. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, uh, how this works then, Pastor Family, is you read a paragraph or so, give us a little taste of what you're reading. You're going to give us three quotes, uh, so give us give us a little chunk and we'll see if we can nail it down. All right, very good. Here's the first one. Are you ready for it? Yep. It is commonly the nature of women to be timid and to be afraid of everything. <laughs> this is why they busy themselves so much with witchcraft and superstition. One teaches the other so that it is impossible to tell what kind of hocus-pocus they practice. But a Christian woman should not do this, and so on. Aww. That's a that's a way to come out of the out of the gate screaming there. <laughs> now, I didn't Which, know he's reading from a printout, by the way. So that I can't actually see what okay. book he's reading. I was going to say I didn't, I didn't know you're going to be reading the manuscript for Pastor Wolfner's next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Dark Side of Patriarchy by Pastor Wolfner. <laughs> All right. What, what, you have any thoughts there, Pastor Wolfmeyer, so far? Well, it, it is interesting. Um, so, I mean, so the Scripture's prohibition of witchcraft uh, and how that comes around to uh, Pastor Flammy's own uh, consternation about should the should the women uh, all be selling each other essential oils? <laughs> I think that's the burden in his own conscience <laughs> that's got him doing this profound research. <laughs> Essential right. oils? You mean witchcraft? I by the, when Carrie got the essential, you know, the, everyone's oh, got to have yeah. the essential oils, and I said, "What is this? Is witchcraft? You got the witchcraft over there?" And she's given me the, you know, the thieves, which is supposed to get rid of the cold or whatever. And she said, and so, and so Isaac the other day said, 
Dad, is mom giving you some witchcraft? <laughs> That's right. Well, oh, maybe man. I shouldn't call it that. Too much. Jen, Jen just stopped using the essential oils like nine months ago. And I finally came around to asking her, hey, you stopped using your oils. Do you, have you stopped believing in their, uh, you know, uh, magical properties? And she said, well, no, but I'm not, I don't feel comfortable uh, with them around the newborn and the baby and pregnancy. So That's interesting. Yeah, the witchcraft will only go so far, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need a thing that says we don't essential oils is of not necessarily witchcraft? Should we be that <laughs> necessarily? Yeah. It doesn't have to be witchcraft. <laughs> okay, next we got to get another quote here. All right, here we go. Quote number two: Both virtues and vices are habits, but they are habits that differ not simply in their objects, but in their nature, their structure. The habits of virtue liberate. The brave man doesn't seem to be exerting any effort to stand up against the bully. The generous man doesn't seem to be struggling with himself as he welcomes his poor cousin into his home. Virtue is potent, effectual, manifold in its works, and so on. Now, I can tell that Pastor Fleming has violated the rules because you're supposed to give us three quotations from the same person. Oh, really? Yeah, so we can guess. I was not informed of this rule ahead of time. So now we have two rounds going. We have oh. quote number one from one theologian and quote number two from another. All so right. let's hold, so hold, let's go back to the first one and see if we can nail that down first. Well, do you want a second quote from yeah, this guy? Yeah, that's what we need. Second out? quote from the first guy. Very good. Here's another quote from the same guy. Above these three institutions and orders is the common order of Christian love, in which one serves not only the three orders, but also serves every needy person in general with all kinds of benevolent deeds, such as feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, forgiving enemies, and praying for all men on earth, suffering all kinds of evil on earth, etc. I Man, I love the three orders talk. I love that stuff. I mean, we have to talk. You know, Evan, we, you and I have talked about this, about how this is one of the things that we really need to push through in all of our conversations um, to understand what's going on in the world. Uh, this understanding of the three orders. And then this one, did you get in this quote? It said, this author said, or this theologian said, above the three orders, we have the common order of Christian love. Hmm. Um, so no matter like Luther does in the table of duties, you know, you got, uh, you got citizens and, and rulers, you got pastors and listeners, you got family, and then you have the common order of love. So it's not like the judge um, uh, is at home with his kids and says, all right, I'm being a loving father. And then when I leave, uh, leave to go sit on the bench. Now I am putting away my love, and I am now putting. Uh, I'm exercising wrath because I'm the judge. <laughs> that the judge actually, in being a good judge, is loving his neighbor, no matter what vocation he's in. That's right. So that we, you know, when we, even when we're doing stuff that's kind of outside of our vocation, like going to get a haircut or filling up our gas tank or walking down the street, we, we are there just as humans and as Christians under the common obligation to love the neighbors that we come across, even though they might be total strangers. This is nice to think about. Good stuff. Well, uh, I'm going to uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be back. More Table Talk Radio. And uh, do you have a third quote, Pastor Flammy, from the this theologian? Yeah. But you have music playing right now, so. All right. So we're going to do that right after this break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. More Name That Theologian on the other side of this break. And we will be right back.
Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, and Table Talk Radio is terrible. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Don't worry, only 12 more minutes of the next bump song. You're back on Table Talk Radio. And we're playing Name That Theologian. So far we have two quotes. Uh, All women are witches was the first one. (laughs) And uh, love spans across the estates is the second one. So I want to hear what this third... (laughs) What's the the third quote, Pastor Flammy? The Psalter ought to be a precious and beloved book if... For no other reason than this. It promises Christ's death and resurrection so clearly and pictures his kingdom and the condition and nature of all Christendom that it might well be called a little Bible. Hmm. Hmm. What book is it talking about? The Psalter. The Psalter? The Psalter. Oh, the Psalter. That's nice. Yeah, so so you have um, the full expression of, of Christianity in the Psalter. Um that especially as we see uh, Christ as as the center of Scripture, uh, we see that uh, the Lord is bringing His um, forgiveness uh, for, of transgressions and also um, the redemption that we look for uh, in glorification uh, right there in the Psalter. So, um, I have. I mean, I I don't have a lot of options here. I just maybe one one guy in mind. But uh, Pastor Wolfmiller, what's your kind of take on these well i would say that it's probably older just because of the you know witchcraft (laughs) all women are witches there it is an interesting thing isn't it that the temptation to uh the temptation to um witchcraft it's different you know there's different temptations for men and women um that's you know that's anyway to (laughs) wait 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 are you saying that women are more prone to witchcraft than men you know that Carrie's grandmother, no, Carrie's great grandmother, was what we call they called the curandera in northern New Mexico, which meant, which means witch doctor, <laughs> because she did all this kind of midwifery, midwifery, and and all the herbal stuff and all this kind of stuff, and so this this uh, the crossover between um, between medicine, which basically all moms are amateur doctors. And um, and the world of witchcraft, it, that, that's a it's an interesting line that is there that apparently I mean, men can cross the line, too. But let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, I guess, so I think I that's going to say it's an ancient writer. <laughs> the, so I guess the short answer to the question I asked was, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other uh, point is um, with the three estates, no one talks more clearly about that than our friend, uh, the Reverend Doctor of Blessed Memory, Luther. And I think, uh, and and I think that that um, idea of the Psalter being a little Bible is something that Luther would also say. So th- I think that would be my guess. You got a you got a guess? Going no, on? I'm. That's what I was going to say too. Luther's Luther is uh, my guess. So um, I guess in Hollywood Square style, we agree with one another. We agree. All right, Pastor Flammy, is it right? Is it Dr. Martin Luther? Yeah, that's right. Ah! Yeah. Ooh. So what writing is that? 
Uh, there are three different places. There was a 1522 uh, uh, commentary on First Peter. That's the first one. Uh, and Luther's just commenting on St. Peter's uh, words concerning the, the woman as the weaker sex. Uh, the second place was, uh, if I find oh yeah, so the 1528 Confession Concerning Christ's Supper. And the final place would be uh, Luther's Preface to the Psalter, 1545. Wow. Early, mid, and late Luther. All right, I got a, I got a theologian. So, so far, yeah. the, the scoreboard is uh, Pastor Wolfler and myself with 200 points. Pastor Flammy with zero. But... Um, <laughs> That could change. That could change. All right. He hasn't even taken a shot yet. So here's our first quote: We Americans. This should be a pretty big hint, folks. We Americans. This is an uh, ancient Latin writer, <laughs> obviously translated from the ancient world. Uh, are not well known in the world as people who know how to blush. On the contrary, we are very self-confident people. The last thing we want is to be told that we cannot do anything to save ourselves from the most serious problem that we have ever or will ever encounter, that we are entirely at God's mercy. Apart from a miracle, religious success is uh, in this atmosphere will always go to those who can effectively appeal to this and this can-do spirit and push as far to the back background as possible anything that might flow from swaggering self off balance. When looking huh. for ultimate answers, we turn within ourselves, trusting our own experience rather than looking outside ourselves to God's external word. Interesting. So what it's saying is that the kind of American um, can-do spirit manifests itself in the preaching so that the common, um, uh, the common preaching in America is... What would it say there? The success goes to the person who who preaches most about how we have a free will that we we can we got to save ourselves. Um, I I think this uh, I think this sounds pretty Lutheran to me. Um, I don't know. I got to hear something else though. Okay. Um, playing. Oh no, sorry. Uh, backing up a little bit. Uh, smooth talk and flattery is part of the staple diet of successful American religion today, and it is almost always advertised simply as more effective mission and relevance. Playing fast and loose with the Bible needed a liberal audience in the days of Norman Vincent Peale, notes Yale theologian George uh, Lindbeck. But now, as a case of Robert Schuller indicates, professed conservatives eat it up. Um Catapulted into uh, prominence through his best-selling book, The Power of Positive Thinking, Peel was scolded by conservative Protestants for leaving out the most important aspects of Christian proclamation in favor of an upbeat message of self-help. Robert Schuller, founding pastor of the Crystal Cathedral and Peel's most prominent disciple, helped to make this quintessential American gospel more successful in evangelical circles. That's interesting. This time is like the stuff that Roseboro is always talking about. Um, I should know it all, too, but I don't. Uh, so hopefully this is not my book because I don't know any of these things that you're saying. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. So so when uh, 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 Peel, uh, Norman Vincent Peel came out with his power of positive thinking, uh, evangelical Christians just kind of passed off like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're saying all this, but you're not honing in on the central 
message of Christianity. I mean, you need you need to teach the Christian doctrines. So then comes along Schuler, and he does the same thing as power of positive thinking, only with Christianized language. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, great, a Christian teacher finally." <laughs> right, that's right. But it's the same thing. It's just like you, like it's Norman Vincent Peale that started wearing sandals. Um, that's really um. I, I've got no idea. Now, you're, are you reading from a book or from an article? Like, I would give that away. Um, it's a book, oh, actually. It's a, it's a real okay. print. You know, you can fold the corner of the page if you want, right in the margin, yep. that kind of thing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I got the picture. It's a paper and everything. Yeah. You want okay. one more? Yeah, I want one more. I haven't heard more. from the Flammies. Are the you Flammy's tracking on this guy? Are you tracking who this is, Pastor Flammy? Uh, no. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, third and final quote with two and a half minutes remaining. A number of theologians have pointed out the striking similarities between this prosperity message and ancient Gnosticism. Like the ancient heresy, the word of faith message assumes a sharp dualism between spirit and matter, promising mastery over one's external circumstances by learning the secret principles of the invisible realm. Although creation is itself this? is corrupt, and in parenthetical, referred to frequently as the natural, these teachers claim that the inner self is divine. You don't have a God living in you, instructs Kenneth Copeland. You are one. You are part and parcel of God. And that's Man, a quote. I don't... I can't. This is beautiful stuff. I really like it. Um, so pointing to the, to the Gnosticism of American Christianity. The only book I know that does this is this book that I own, but I have not read yet by my new favorite person. This book, Gnostic America by Peter Burfind, which I think is going to be a great book, but I have not read it yet. But I haven't heard if you got it. I haven't heard you talking about it. Well, that's um, because maybe I wanted to use it for name that theologian. <laughs> all right, that's going to be I, that's my best guess on this sort of thing. So I'm going to go with who is Peter Burfind, uh, Pastor Flammy. You want to make a guess on this thing? Uh, I don't read anything that's been written within like the last fifty. Years. I, I also, I don't do that either. <laughs> Never mind. I also don't read anything that's <laughs> written before. Yeah, right. <laughs> I should say I should say that in different context. I don't read anything new. I, I don't read anything in English. It, <laughs> <laughs> if I don't have to translate right. it first, I don't read it. That's right. That's right. Lo that's longer than ten pages. No way. All right. Well, we need to take a break right there anyway, and then when we get back from this break, we're going to find out who this theologian is that is being so insulting to Kenneth Copeland and Robert Schuler. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we're playing Name That Theologian. We'll be right back right after this. Earplugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. 
Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money. We trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God throughout the world. Table Talk Radio is listener-supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Perhaps no greater example of the church's American captivity can be discerned than the remarkable success of Joel Osteen. To the extent that it reflects any theology at all, this message represents a convergence of Pelagian self-help and Gnostic self-deification. If a bland moralism... That's so fantastic. <laughs> if a bland moralism Man, this, from Protestant liberalism guy, it is. became a part of evangelical diet through Schuler, Osteen has achieved the dubious success of making the name-it-claim-it philosophy of Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn mainstream. There it is. Man, this guy's the best. This so, is the be- This is like the book that Chris Roseborough would write if he would ever write a book, but it's... <laughs> But he hasn't written a book. <laughs> All right, you want to know who this is? Uh, I think this is. I, am I right? Is it my our new friend Peter Burfind? No, no, you're completely wrong. Um, this is Michael Horton in Christless Christianity. Oh, Christless Christianity! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, he's onto the Gnosticism too. It's odd for a reformed guy to be onto the Gnosticism, but you it's, know, maybe you see as in a mirror dimly. It's especially. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially odd to hear a reform guy talk about the external word. Yeah, he he hangs around the Lutherans, dangerously so. Although he, I think he hangs around. He's a bit of a tease because everyone's like, "Oh yeah, he's going to be a Lutheran." The same thing that we all did with what's that guy named Tavigian, you know? Oh yeah, he's going to be a Lutheran. But anyway, when it all when it comes down to it, well, Lutherans they, have this complex that anyone who agrees with them about their criticisms of american evangelicalism must want to be lutheran like us <laughs> like oh you you think they're wrong too you're one of us <laughs> right it is true that the lutherans are more than the anti-evangelicals although sometimes you wouldn't know that right right that's something all right so now um the scoreboard is pastor wolfmuller with zero uh, wait i thought well you didn't lose, i get the you Luther lose, right? you lose 200 points because you didn't get it um, Pastor Gigline with 200, and Pastor Flammy with negative 200. Because <laughs> he didn't even guess, so that just counts as a wrong guess. Abstention is a no vote kind of thing. Oh, is there a treasury of merit I can draw from <laughs> around here? Sure, ask me later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Pastor yeah, Wilfner. Don't, don't worry, you will beat me by the end because Evan is keeping score here. Hey, who, how do we decide that you get to keep score? I've got the paper and the pen. What do you expect? All right, uh, you have a you have a theologian to to read for us. Yeah, I got one here. Okay. Uh, ready? Both virtues and vices are habits, but they are habits that differ not simply in the objects, but in their nature, <laughs> their structure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually have a book, but I grabbed Pastor Flammy's. <laughs> habits of virtue liberate. 
I wanted to talk about this quote. It's great. The brave man doesn't seem to be exerting any effort to stand up against the bully. The generous man doesn't seem to be struggling with himself as he welcomes his poor cousin into his home. Virtue is potent, effectual, manifold in its works. The virtuous husband is free to compliment the beauty of a woman without suspicion crossing anybody's mind that he is up to something. Virtue is to the human soul as skill is to the artist. This sounds very familiar. Really? Seems like I've read Seems this like it's or just, heard it's this just before. a description of you. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> um uh, I don't know who to pin down on this though. Um I'm going to have to hear more. Pastor Flamin, do you want to do you want to uh, say anything about this quote that you just heard from Pastor Wolfmuller? Yeah, it's uh I think it's wonderful uh to to uh meditate on you know, the idea of virtue and vice as being uh, as being relevant sort of ethical uh, concepts for us. Uh, so often nowadays, you know, when we think of what it means to be a good person or a bad person, we think of uh, well, simply, you know, doing the right thing at the right time or re- abstaining from doing the wrong thing at, you know, at the, at the wrong time or something like that. But uh, it, it, for, for most of, you know, Western civilization, people have uh, – also thought about uh, being a good person in terms of developing the habits of a good person. Um, mm. uh, that virtue is doing not necessarily the good thing, but rather the, the right thing given the appropriate situation. So if the situation requires, uh, 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 you know, that I be brave, let's say, you know, I'm serving in the military, my commander gives me an order, and I you know, charge the enemy in line. I don't do it rashly, you know, ignoring uh, the, the well-being of my brothers in arms. Nor am I a coward in standing back behind the line and and uh, refusing to obey the order, but rather I do the brave thing, the virtuous thing, and I charge ahead. This is just old wisdom, um, and it's uh, uh, for for much of uh, Western civilization in, in in the history of Christianity, even it's been uh, seen as sort of compatible. You know, it is something when it's a difference between saying, "Hey, you shouldn't play too many video games," versus saying, "Hey, you should be temperate." You know, uh, and the result is probably the same. You don't play too many video games, but there's a uh, a way that you're, you know, you start to t- take the kind of nuts and bolts of doing the right thing and teach something different, which has been helpful, at least for my own kids, to to think in things of terms of of virtue. And I think this is the way that we we teach the kids. I got a, a second quote that's similar, underlined here in Pastor Flammy's book. It's your book. I just borrowed it. <laughs> the Pastor, the Pastor Flammy underlined in my own book. That's nice. Well, no, I don't have to read the whole thing. How else are you going to know what to quote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, ha- the habits of vice are not like that. In other words, not like the habits of virtue. They don't invigorate. They deaden. They don't liberate. They compel. When we accustom ourselves to doing what is wrong, when we call the crooked straight and the warped smooth and the bizarre normal... We don't change the nature of our actions. We overlay our nature with a false nature, a paradox, a paradoxic, parodic nature. That means parody of nature? Hmm. Uh, which must constantly cry out to be justified. Hmm. We pick at the old, unhealed wounds. We return to the scene of the crime. It isn't Macbeth must, out of pragmatism, kill Banquo to secure his throne. It is that he has to—he has come to invite his evil impulses and deeds. He wants to do what he loathes to do and wants it all the more because he loathes it. 
So, so that the the bad habits that are destructive have, even though they are destructive, have um, this uh, appeal and propensity to do them all the more as kind of a attempt of justification. Is that sort of what it's saying? Mm-hmm. I think. What do? Did you get that, Pastor Fleming? Do you think yeah, that's what so, he's getting? Uh, uh, so whereas the practice of virtue reinforces human nature, and it is, and in doing virtuous things is to be actually human, so to do uh, those things according to vice is to always be fighting against even the nature that God has given us, to become something hmm. twisted and evil. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, we did get a pretty good hint in that quote about uh, who the theologian could be. Um, I mean, it's probably not like Luther if it's uh, quoting Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to say Shakespeare. It's got to be later than Shakespeare. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to need a third quote, though, to try and hone in on this. Uh, a little further on. That's because what compels is not merely the object, but the very wrongness of the object. Mere garden sins bring boredom. We must rouse the spirit to more and more outrageous wrongs. I'm speaking here not about sins of intemperance, such as eating too much or grouching at your children or being impatient with a slow student. I'm speaking about the wanton deviation into a territory clearly set aside as wrong in itself. It is the false excitement of the transgression that hooks us like the foolish fish we are. Hmm. This is fascinating. Uh, Fleming, what, what, what is that quote about? <laughs> yeah, you want to explain that? Yeah, one? so uh, uh, the author is talking about the practice of, of sin and of the vice of sin. And in, in that, you know, you, you, you begin to dabble in various vices mentally and then with your uh, tentative actions. But the vice has a, com- a compulsion of its own, and, it's, and it, it isn't... Uh, it's, it's never just satisfied to let you dabble on the edges. You have to plunge all the way in. And when that is, is lost its thrill of shocking others, still you have to f- dive deeper and deeper into the vice and the, and the twistedness of it. And he is speaking especially about the public sin of homosexuality and, and those who practice it, that it's not so much that you know people have to be accepting of the idea of homosexuality, but now this opens the door to all kinds of other dangerous vices that are uh, are just as vile and even more vile. Wow. Um, so I'm having a hard time thinking of who this could be because, I mean, so I, so we, we kind of set the time frame. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I think that this person is, uh, I, oh, I, I, I am tempted to think that this person um, is, isn't living, but I, I could be wrong. I, I think that this is probably... A um a writer of um uh, I don't know um nineteenth century uh, maybe early in there somewhere there um and I don't know that I heard anything that was exclusively Lutheran either um but certainly a Lutheran would say these things um so that's kind of where I'm dancing and I see that a break is coming up. So if I stall long enough, then I won't have to answer right away. I'll be able to think about it during the break. Um, by the way, what's our phone number, Pastor Wolfmiller? One eight hundred 
no vice. <laughs> or that, that you could do that one. Or one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. I wonder what happens if you call that number. Is that K N O W vice? Or yeah. No vice. Yeah. No Jesus. No vice. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, well, we're Wait gonna, a minute. We're gonna oh. finish up this round of name that theologian, and then. Ten Commandments in the News. That's what's forward after this break. Table Talk Radio. After a while, you just get used to it. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Turn it up. up. Hi, welcome back to Table Talk Radio, where the score is... Pastor Wolfmuller with zero. Who's keeping score? Pastor Gigland with 200 and Pastor Flammy with the negative 200, making his Table Talk Radio debut today. He's been on the show before, hasn't he? I hope not. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He came on to talk about um, uh, the catechism versus the Summa. Remember that? Did I? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't wasn't part of that, was I? Oh, maybe we just talked about his article. I don't know. Welcome, Flammy. Um, All right, so we have. Is this the first time he's been on the show? I I think so. I think so. He's just, I just carry him with me in my heart, so it seems like he's always here. (laughs) Whenever we're recording, I just see his face shaking his head at me. Shame, shame. Now, I understand that um, Pastor Flammy has. Uh, new life in his household, and yeah. so you you had to relearn the ropes of being a sole pastor for a little bit. That's pastor. right, I, man. I was running around with my <laughs> hair on fire last week, thinking, "Boy, I'm good thing Flammy normally does all the work around here." <laughs> Somehow that does not surprise me. <laughs> well, congratulations, Pastor Flammy. Oh, thank you, uh, thank you. All right, so we got a theologian ahead of us, and uh, trying to pin down who this is. I again, I'm I'm kind of shooting in the dark, but I think the name I'm going to go with is Werner. Uh, alert um he wrote this book on on ethics that uh might be where this is coming from but i'm not sure so that's my guess you lose 400 points (laughs) for being so wrong (laughs) you 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 rejoiced in that buzzer a little bit too much (laughs) this is anthony esselin our friend anthony esselin uh defending marriage 12 arguments for sanity hmm Published 2014. Huh. This guy is 2014. great. It's a little bit, it sounded a little bit too good to be contemporary. Well, yeah, it's good. This guy's good. It's interesting that, um, it's interesting you thought this was older because he do, he's a lit professor. And so he does, ah. he does have this kind of, I mean, that, that's an interesting thing to me. He, he's, he's pulling from the age, he's arguing not necessarily from scripture, but from kind of Western culture. And uh, he has that sense, that that real sense of, um, uh, I don't know, he's, he's got some gravity to his words, which I think you were hearing, and that's why I, I think you went old. He remembers more than the last 25 years. <laughs> which is kind of uncommon these days. 
Yeah. All right. Well, um, so we're going to do some Ten Commandments in the news. Yeah. Um, no, we better explain that to the Flammy since he's never been on the show before. Oh, yeah. I'm you go ahead. I'll, find, I'll, I'll find something. And uh, you... So the idea is that God structures the world according to the Ten Commandments such that when we engage in the world or observe the world, we can see the Ten Commandments in play, either being um, supported or being assaulted. And this is a game that we want to play with the kids and with ourselves when we watch the news. Two things we want to do when we watch the news. We want to, number one, pray or play Ten Commandments in the news. And then, number two, we want to pray. Probably why the Lord lets us see all these disasters taking place is so that... He enlists in that our prayers for all the people and pray for those in government and all this other stuff. So we play Ten Commandments in the news to see how that goes. Right. Um, so looking at some headlines, I want to do this one. Um, There's hardly any news, though. Hardly anything's happening. Yeah, nothing's I mean, everything's going Everything's so quiet in the world. Well, here's a headline. That's, uh, this, <laughs> I, I, this is not the article I was going to go with. but Aside from the Trumpocalypse. <laughs> hey, can I, can I copyright that word, Trumpocalypse? Yeah. TM. The news is... Trumpocalyptic. Uh, so what do you think of this headline? It says, does God give a holy hoot about the Super Bowl? And uh, I want to put that next to the article you wrote a few years ago about uh, praying for the Denver Broncos. Put that next. But I guess since the Denver Broncos aren't in the Super Bowl, God doesn't give a holy hoot. That's the truth. <laughs> hey, don't you know why sunsets are orange and blue? Because God's a Broncos that's, that's fan. Right. That's Obviously. right. Obviously. All right. Here's the real headline, though. Trump ban will hurt Christian refugees fleeing conflict, says Iraqi Catholic leaders. As confusion continued over Donald Trump's ban on refugees and travelers from seven Muslim countries, Catholic leaders from Iraq are warning that policy change will hurt thousands of Iraqi Christians languishing in Middle East refugee camps. Quote, they would like to continue their lives in Europe, Canada, Australia, or America, Archbishop um, Bashar Waldra of uh, Erbel told a news conference in Rome on Monday. Despite Trump's promises to give preference to Christian refugees seeking to enter the U.S., his decision will make it harder for them. It is not easy to distinguish from their names who is Christian and who is Muslim. So that's kind of the essence of the of the uh, of the article. That the claim is that if uh, if we ban refugees from Muslim countries, and it makes it harder for Christian refugees. Oh boy, who man? You gotta have like a poli sci degree to comment on Facebook these days and engage in all of this sort of rhetoric and everything like this, um, because it's a you know, that's just a confusing situation and kind of hard to tell what's up or down well, on the whole thing. There's more to a refugee application for residency in a country than your name. Presumably, also, <laughs> I mean, you would have you would say Another they're a Muslim box. or a Christian or a Yazidi or something. And in fact, we know that when it comes to the uh, figuring out your refugee status uh, uh, here, uh, you know, f to, to make you eligible to be a refugee to to move into the United States. I mean, it's a long, long process, years long. It takes uh, many years, many interviews, and many documents filled out, or so I've heard. Yeah. So, um, what what uh, what commandments are we dealing with with this matter of um, refugees, uh, immigration, and uh, particularly from Muslim countries? Well, presumably, uh, we're dealing, of course, with the Fifth Commandment. Every time you're talking about your, the well-being of your neighbor, um, defending his, his body and his life and taking care of him, you're uh, talking about the Fifth Commandment. And, uh, you know, we heard that Luther quote earlier about the Christian state of love. And so possibly that fits into this somehow. We also have the, um, 
the fourth commandment, which has to do with governments and the establishment of uh, authorities and nations in the world. So that comes into play, especially when we're talking about uh, kind of political refugees. Normally, refugees are the result of of war. And in this and in this um, uh, circumstance, we're dealing with a religious war. I mean, the, the, the reason why there's refugees in Syria is because uh, because of ISIS and ISIS is nothing without the first eye. I mean, it's the Islamic. Um, it's an Islamic st- state. So you have the particularly this kind of particularly jihadi sort of um, pseudo state. And uh, and so that has to do with the second commandment and the third commandment. It's a it's a false doctrine and a false theology, a false, um, for, you know, uh, d- driving the um, the minds and the actions of the the terroristic government. I mean, uh so with with dealing with particular religions, you know, Muslim, Christian, that's obviously the first commandment. But I think we also want to put it in the realm of the second commandment, so that uh, when you say uh, this is who God is, and you say something like uh, Muhammad is his uh, prophet, then you're uh, profaning the name of God. So that's the second commandment issue. Yeah, and also when you have a holy book uh, and a false holy book like the Quran and all that sort of stuff, that's third commandment stuff. Right. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Did we miss anything? Um, let's see. Just, just flip through your Ten Commandment Rolodex there. <clears throat> There's a First Commandment, Second Commandment, Third Commandment, Fourth Commandment, Fifth Commandment. I don't know if the Sixth Commandment comes into play exactly, although that would come into this business of you know separating families and all that sort of stuff. Seventh Commandment has to do with property, and also, and so th- there is something about that with the refugee. Stuff. Yeah, their property. Uh, I mean, so they're re- they're refugees, not asylum seekers, precisely because their property has been taken from them. They no longer have homes where they uh, mm. used to reside. And that's th- that's part of the definition, I think. There, uh, there's something about also with um uh, with the eighth commandment. Um, we the, the you know the reputation of the, there's so there could be some eighth commandment stuff going on when you have a when you have a ban on refugees, this sort of thing, where you're saying, look, we cannot, we don't have the the institutions in place to properly vet them, which is what I understand the problem to be. Uh, but then to, to say that you, the, the, then the assumption that in, within those unvetted refugees are uh, terroristic actors, um, that could be an Eighth Commandment sort of thing. Um, it could be a lot of people with very good names that are now being threatened by the by the stall. I mean, who knows? That, that's a little bit of a stretch, and it's not the most important thing in the situation. Uh, but the Eighth Commandment can also come into play, I suppose. So with just about a minute here, um, is is uh, so talking about – I mean, this is really an issue of, of national security because the, the reason to say from these particular seven countries is because of uh, uh, Muslim countries and, and the terrors, terrorists are coming from Muslim countries. So is this an effective uh, way to execute national security with about – 45 seconds. I think it could be. Um, it's it's kind of funny to me that how quickly people jump into the debate and and uh, with their well-informed opinions that have been, <laughs> you know, so filled out by Facebook posts. Uh, I think it is always good when our country thinks and uh, the leaders of our country think about protecting us and the things that they can do to help keep us safe. That being said, you know, uh, our neighbor, as Christians, our neighbors uh, include not only the people in our immediate family and in our neighborhood, in our city and country, but also other people around the world. And the fact that Christians are being displaced 
by Muslim terrorists and, and, and jihadi fighters in Iraq should concern us. We should care about them. We should pray for the church in all places. Hey, Flammy, great to have you on, and uh, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like Evan's love for Anthony Esselin. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I love what he said. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. I love Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to You were expecting sentences, me to throw flammy under Psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, oh, internal bleeding, that's like, combustion, that's like a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, a total urge to fight right the on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. You might reach over the desk and exercise some national security priorities. Yeah. <laughs>